It's good to see you guys here today. I warned you we were going to do things a little differently. So um, today we are wrapping up the series called My Story. So we spent the last four weeks looking at the story of our lives. And we've been looking at different decisions that we make as part of that story. So we've decided to go. We've decided to start reading our Bibles. We decided to stop. And we decided to stay. And you guys have been filling out these cards uh, where you are making decisions. And it has been amazing to watch those cards come in and to see the things that you guys are deciding to do, the things you're deciding to trust God in. And more than that, it's been honestly humbling and heartbreaking to some extent to see the situations that some of you have been in or that you're trying to get out of. But there is hope because you are trusting God to work in that situation. So it's been absolutely cool to see that. Now, we've been able to read all these cards. You guys haven't had that opportunity yet. So I just want to show you a few of the examples of some of the decisions you guys have been making for the past month. So week one, we decided to go. You guys decided to go to Guatemala to go ahead and plan, uh, go ahead with God's plan and to pursue him in faith, to be bolder for Jesus, to go join a small group, to go fix things with somebody in your family or a friend where a relationship has been broken. So you guys decided to go and do some really cool things. You decided to start reading your Bibles in order to fill a gap in your lives. So you were reading your Bibles to get to know Jesus better, to become a better mother or a better father, to be a stronger leader or to be a better follower of Christ. Just a few of the examples of the things you guys are looking to change in your lives just by reading God's word. Then in week three, we decided to stop and everybody else is doing New Year's resolutions, so why not us? And so we decided to choose one thing, one thing this year in our lives that we feel like God is asking us to stop doing and focus on that for the entirety of 2016. You guys decided to stop smoking, to stop drinking, to stop doubting yourselves, to stop listening to thoughts in your head that tell you you're inadequate, and to stop letting fear control your lives. Really cool stuff. And then last week, Tim took us into this idea that sometimes we're asked by God and we decide to stay in a situation, something that's uncomfortable, something that's painful, something that might even feel impossible while we're in the middle of that situation. But sometimes God asks us to stay in that place and wait for him to show up and to work in that situation. You guys decided to stay in recovery, to stay in your jobs, to fight and to stay in your marriages, to stay on the path God has placed you on even when it feels impossible. You guys have been making really amazing decisions. And the cool part on my side, is that I get to see that it's not just one of you making a decision, that maybe sometimes five or 10 people are all making decisions based on the same or a similar situation. And I wanted you guys to be able to experience that to some extent. So as Tim mentioned, on the curtain wall on here on your way out, you're going to find some posters that our creative media team put together. And they put some art behind the decisions you guys made. And you're going to go up and you will most likely read a decision or a situation similar to yours. Now, nobody's name is up there, so you're safe. But know that you are not making these decisions by yourself. Somebody at the end of your row or across the room or somebody in the first service is working through a similar situation that you are, and you are not alone. And I am just encouraged beyond words by that. So check out the posters on your way out. And really what I want to encourage you to do is to pray for one or two of those people. 
Pick out a situation or pick out a couple situations and pray over the next couple of weeks for that person and the situation that they're going through, knowing that God will get them to the other side. So these decisions that we've been making, when we make them, they determine the lives that we will lead. And that's been our overarching concept through this series, right? The decisions that we make today determine the lives that we will lead tomorrow. And there's one more aspect of our story, of our lives, that I think we need to look at in order to live the lives that God wants us to live. And it's this, what story are we telling with our worship? Now, I guarantee half of you went, that doesn't tie in at all. I don't get how singing or listening to some music or whatever that looks like ties into the story that we tell with our lives, how we make decisions, what that means for us. Well, hopefully, as we tackle this together today, we can hopefully make that bridge Uh, And if not, you guys can pretend like I did a little bit later on and just pat me on the back and say, good job, good job, don't get up there again. Um, So we want to look at three different questions about worship this morning, and hopefully as we tear that apart, we're able to see how that ties into our stories and the decisions that we make. So we're going to be looking at what is worship, how do we worship, and why do we worship? All right, everybody ready to go? Sure. All right, so... Crowd participation. What is worship to you guys? Singing. Singing. Okay. Giving God praise. Giving God praise. Making a Adoration. Making a connection. With God. With, with God. <laughs> you can worship other things, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. So these are all a great picture of what worship is for us. Uh, if you look at the word itself, I'm not going to go real deep in this, so don't lose me. Um, uh, you, the word that we say with worship, it comes from an old English term that means to ascribe worth. So you attribute worth to something. When we worship God, we say God is worth something to us. If we take that back a little bit further and we look at the original languages that the Bible was written in, Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for a good portion of the New Testament, we see a couple of phrases, a couple of terms that over and over again get translated into the word worship for us. Again, I'm not going to go super deep. If you're a geek like me and you like this sort of stuff, I'd be happy to share my study notes with you sometime. But just to get the the real core of what it looks like, the two phrases or the two terms that we see most often translated as worship are to bow down, to kneel, or to put your face down as an act of respect or submission. That's the first one. So the action, right? And we don't connect with this because most of us don't kneel in front of people. Um, But they did it all the time. They lived in monarchies or they lived in places where a single person was in power. And to show respect or submission to that person, they would kneel in front of them. And what that did is it put that person above them physically. It also opened them up. I've got no defense if this person decides to kill me. I'm completely at their mercy. And so physically, you would show someone that you were submissive to them, you're going to be obedient to them by kneeling in front of them. But more than that, the language in Hebrew and Greek are both very picturesque languages. They put these huge stories into one or two word phrases. Um, The concept was that it was a posture of their heart. The words that they said, the actions that they took, the things that they believed inside of them. So they were saying with their hearts, that God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to listen and accept your instruction and choose to obey it. I'm going to recognize that I am submissive to God and that in doing that, I have a respect for him and I'm going to make choices based on that. So it was a heart posture, not just the physical act of kneeling in front of people. 
The second phrase or the second terms we see are to serve or service or sacrifice. Now, again, we're removed from the sacrificial system of worship um, thanks to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. But the cool part is over and over again, when the New Testament writers wrote about the sacrifice that Jesus made, it's the term that means worship. Jesus' sacrifice for us was an act of worship on our behalf to God. That blows me away. I I just am constantly amazed that Jesus chose to do something on my behalf in order to fix a relationship that I broke. The service that was done in the tabernacle and in the temple, the acts that were done in that time, that was an act of worship. Or just to serve on God's behalf, which is something we can more get an idea of, to do good works or to do something for God, either in his name or in order to do something that he's asked you to do, all of those things are translated as worship. And we can begin to see how some of those ideas can play into the day-to-day actions of our lives. There's a guy by the name of Lee Campbell. He's a theologian and a pastor. He writes some great stuff about worship. He puts this really cool definition. He says, worship is the response of grateful and humble people to the living God where submission, sacrificial service, praise, profession, testimony, and gratitude are freely expressed in innumerable ways. So it's more than just what we do. It's the words that we say, the songs that we sing. It's what we do in our hearts that constitutes worship. But we have to go from just the definition into the actions, right? The more what into the how in order for this to make a lot of sense. And so as you look at some of those definitions and some of the words that are translated, you kind of come up with three categories of physical expressions of worship. The first is worship that involves either singing or speaking. And that's kind of the thing that we recognize most often as worship, right? The thing that we do here Sunday morning when we all get together, or maybe you've got a car ride and you turn on a great song and you just sing like crazy because nobody else can hear you. That is worship. And in both the Old and the New Testament, music and song are a huge piece of worship to God. The Psalms in the Old Testament were all prayers and songs written for worship. And they express all of these amazing emotions that we don't always connect with worship. They express praise and thanks. They also ask God for help. And they ask questions. They complain about suffering. They ask God to step in their situation and they then express anguish and joy and hope and pain and anger and pride. And all of it is considered worship because of the posture of the writer's heart. The songs that we sing all kind of mirror those ideas. They help us put what we're feeling in our hearts into words that we can express to God. And in doing so, we can take what we're feeling and hopefully express it to God in a little bit different way than what we might be able to do on our own. So the words are, or the music's kind of a, a, a vehicle to help get us to a place where we can connect to God in a different way. Beyond the singing, there are other things we do with our words that constitute worship. We can confess our sin as an act of worship, which feels a little weird. But when Solomon was dedicating the temple in the Old Testament, so King David began building this amazing building for Israel to have a place to worship God, a single place where they could all come together and God could actually live in their midst. And then Solomon, his son, took it over, completed the project, and he's there dedicating the temple to God. 
And as he does, he spends some time confessing the sins of all of Israel to God with everybody gathered together. And it's not a pretty picture. They recognize how far they have fallen and God accepts it as an act of worship. So when we tell God that we screwed up, when we recognize that we fall short, God sees that as worship to him. On the flip side, when we profess God as our king or Jesus as our savior, in the very act of recognizing that Jesus is our Lord, we worship God. When we tell other people about the things God is doing in our lives or that we believe in him or that we have faith in him, we are professing faith and we are worshiping God. And so it's not just the songs that we sing or the things that we do here on Sunday morning, but in our daily lives, when we talk to people about God and we tell them what he is doing, it's an act of worship. And it's not just our mouths. Worship involves listening. When we pray or we spend time with God and we hear from him, the last four weeks, as you guys have listened to what God has on your heart and the decisions that he's asked you to make, and you accept what he's asking you to do, that's worshiping God. When you hear a message or scripture read by anybody, the act of listening to that is worship to God. So it's not just the things that we say or that we sing. And then finally, there's worship that involves our bodies, right? There are a bunch of verbs, action words in both the Old and the New Testament that are connected to worshiping God. We can stand in worship. When I ask you guys to stand every week, I'm not just asking you to get up so you're a little closer to me on stage or to get your heart pumping or hopefully not fall asleep or playing the music. Standing is an act of God. I mean, yeah, an act of worship to God. Uh, kind of like the kneeling thing. Like I said, we don't kneel to show submission. But if you've ever been in a courtroom and a judge has walked into the room, what do you do? You stand up. It's a show of respect for the authority the person who just walked in the room. You might not even like the person or trust the person who walked in the room, but you recognize the authority of their position and their office, and you stand up. When we stand before God, we stand as an act of worship. The Bible says that we can clap, we can raise our hands, we can play instruments, we can bow. I kid you not, we can dance in worship. I don't suggest doing the whip and nay-nay <laughs> as an act of worship. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I'm gonna let God deal with that, but... The Bible does say that we can dance in worship. There are all these different things we can do with our physical bodies because these are a gift from God. And it extends further than that. When we use our hands or use our bodies for God at any time, it's an act of worship. Paul writes in Romans 12 verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable. And this is truly the way to worship him. He doesn't talk about music. He doesn't talk about the Bible. He doesn't talk about praying. He talks about the lives of the people that he's talking to and their physical bodies, giving them over to God as an act of worship. And that can look like this. Hebrews 13 says, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So the writer of Hebrews says, this is how you give your bodies and your lives to God in worship. You give praise. You proclaim your allegiance to God through faith. So you profess who he is and what he does in your life. 
You do good things for other people, self-sacrificial acts on God's behalf, and you share with those in need. You give. So you can worship with your time, your talents, and your resources. That's a phrase you'll recognize if you've been at Epic for very long at all, because just about every time we talk about giving, we talk about those three things. You can give of your time for someone else as an act of worship to God. You can give of what you are good at or maybe just what you are able to do. Every person who comes in here and works with the kids' ministry every Sunday is worshiping God in that act because they are able to do that for someone else. If you come here and you set up on Sunday mornings, if you break down, if you help somebody change a tire and it takes time out of your day, giving of your time and your abilities to help that person is an act of worship to God. And you can give financially as an act of worship to God. When you tithe, you give financially here to further what Epic is doing in the community. When you give to someone who you know needs it more than you do, and you give out of your own need for someone else, it's an act of worship. All of these things are actions of our daily lives, not the hour we have Sunday morning, but the hundred and what, 67 hours we have during the rest of the week. And God sees all of that as worship. And that is why it is so important we look at what story we're telling with our worship. Because are we going to choose to do those actions for God and worship him in that moment? And then our stories are going to move in the direction we've been talking about for the last four weeks? Or are we going to choose to worship ourselves and do what we want to do and not what God asks us to do. And our story heads down a totally different path. The story that we tell with our worship affects our lives on a short and a long-term basis. Now, during the week, we worship in a private manner, right? Either we study or we meditate or we work with people on a smaller basis. And then here on Sunday, we get to, work, or we get to worship corporately, which is a very cool thing. I love the fact that we all get together as a group, as a body, as a family, and as one voice worship God. There is power and joy in being able to do that. So this morning, that's what we're going to do for the rest of the day, is we are going to worship together as a church family. We're going to sing some songs together. We're going to pray together. We are going to read some scripture together. We're going to take communion together. And according to the New Testament, taking communion is an act of worship, which is something we'll get into in just a little bit. But this is something that we're going to do for the next little while just to enjoy our time with God together and to worship God as a group. So the worship team is going to come on out, hopefully, and uh, we're going to spend a little time. So we're going to sing several songs together. I'm going to encourage you to join us as quickly as you can, as soon as you know the songs, the words, the tunes, whatever that is. If you don't know the music or you're not comfortable with the music, you can stand for God. You can bow before God in your seats. You can read your Bible. You can pray. Whatever it looks like this morning for you to worship God, I want to encourage you to do that because God is excited about the fact that we're going to be worshiping him this morning. So let's all stand up. And let's give God a chance to show up here this morning and to do something special in our midst. Father God, we pray that you would meet us here today. 
Lord, that you would be in this place and that we would hear from you, Lord God, that you would do something special among our lives today. And Lord, as we worship you, I pray that you would show us in a new way what it means to worship your name, to give you praise, to tell each other that we love you. Father God, meet us here this morning in Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, the opportunity to remember how good you are in our lives. Thank you, Father God, that we can remember, as painful it is, we can remember the sacrifice you made. And Lord, I pray that it would be real day in and day out for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you can guys can have a seat. We have one more question that we need to cover before we wrap up this morning. And it's this, it's the why. Why do we worship? Now, I can lay out a fantastic biblical argument that we are commanded to, that it's part of our job description as Christ followers. I can even go so far as to say that we are created as beings of worship and that we should be worshiping our one true creator, and that's the only thing we should be doing. But if you're like me, being told you do it because you have to is not the most inspiring thing you can be told. And so as I thought about why we worship, I thought about the overarching story of all worship, because that story reflects the gospel. God, before anything existed, is just out there, and he is perfect, and he is holy, and God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit exist together in this perfect harmony of acknowledging one another, lifting each other up, worshiping each other, and it feels weird because we don't understand that because anytime we think of that, we think of lifting ourselves up, but God in his perfection existed in this perfect place, and somehow, out of the overflowing love that existed there, he spoke and creation began. Light and a world out of nothingness, skies and seas, land and ocean. And as he culminates everything, he takes the dust and shapes this new creature and he breathes his essence into Adam. And the very first image bearer of God takes a breath and stands up. And for some period of time, Adam and Eve and God walk side by side in the Garden of Eden. I can't even imagine because there is no separation. And everything Adam puts his hands to is an act of worship as he names the animals as they come up, as he tends the garden, as he takes care of day-to-day -day life, everything is a perfect, pleasing act of worship to God because it was all given to him by God. And all he had to do was obey and do it and obey and do it. And so God and Adam and Eve exist for some time. And then Adam and Eve decide that their worship needs to shift. And they make a choice. And they choose the fruit. 
believing that whatever they get from that is going to be better than anything their perfect God can give them. And their worship moves from God to themselves. And our relationship with our creator is broken. They're cast out of Eden. But even in this moment, God has a plan. And time passes. And it gets bad. And right at the moment when it seems it's all for nothing, God steps in. He walks into our life, into the mess that is our world. And Jesus walks the earth he helped create. For 30 some odd years, he ministers, he teaches. And then in a perfect act of worship, he sacrifices himself. And his blood covers every sin from the Garden of Eden until he comes back again. And our relationship is made whole. And we can once again commune with our Father in a way that we haven't been able to since the Garden of Eden. That is why we worship. It is an impossible to deny response to the goodness of our God, to the fact that he made right the thing we screw up. It comes from deep inside of us and we can't help but worship our God. And only he is deserving of it. Only he is worthy of our worship. Our worship changes our story. It changes who we are as people when our focus moves off of us and back to God. And because of that, our worship should affect our behavior in our day-to-day lives and the decisions that we make when we choose God over us and it becomes an act of worship. It should affect who we are. We're going to sing one more song together. And during this song, ask God to step into your life and help you choose him over yourself. Ask him to show up in your mess and trust that his love is perfect and good enough for us. Let's stand. Father God, our only cry this morning is that we would know you and live for you. As your love falls on us, I pray that you would take us to new places, to new heights. Father God, to know you more. That is our cry this morning. And everyone said, amen. I hope that you guys have had a good time this morning. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. It's been such a great morning. Remember that our worship changes our stories. And I pray then in a month, in a year, in 10 years, you can look back and in every decision that you made, or at least the majority, you can look back and you say, I decided to worship God in whatever that is. So go out, start that this morning. You guys have a fantastic Sunday. We'll see you all next week. Take care.
All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you are here. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you're wondering if the service is a little bit different already, it is, all right? So today we are going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, for the last several weeks, we have been checking out a series on my story and making several different decisions during the course of that series. And today we are actually going to focus on worship and how that impacts our story. So if you're new with us today, don't worry. It's going to be easy for you to engage and Evan's going to impact worship for us and the entire worship team's going to be up here as well in doing that. And so it's going to be amazing. So let me tell you about a few things before we continue on with that that's happening around here at Epic. If you wouldn't mind grabbing your announcement sheet and let me highlight a few things that are happening. Uh, if you are a parent of a 6th to 12th grade student, uh, we are having summer camp this summer. And there will be a parent information meeting after the second service, so not this service, but the second service, uh, over in the gym where Pipeline meets for you to be able to find out about summer camp. And so if you miss out on that, just email us and we'll let you know the details as well. But we'd love to have you over there to hear about summer camp. And then if you're interested in going on one of our mission trips to Guatemala, tomorrow is the deadline for the application. And so if you haven't filled that out, it's not too late. Go onto our website at theepicchurch.com, download the application, fill it out, and then send it to the email address that they tell you to send it to. And then also, speaking of going and serving, we are going to be going on February 13th out to some fields to glean. And what that term is, gleaning, is an Old Testament practice to help those uh, who are poor. And so we're going to be going out to some fields where crops would normally go to waste. There's billions and billions of crops that aren't like grade A uh, and can't be sold, and they just go to waste. And so we're going to be going out to fields. This would be a great family event to do that. And we're going to be harvesting some crops and then bring them back to the local food pantries right here in our county to be able to help out uh, people in our county. And then on Friday night, just to let you know, we had an amazing men's event. So get this, 22 churches came together for this men's event. We had over 350 men in attendance to hear some great guys who've been in the business world for a long time and what they've learned in terms of their faith and then in the workplace. And it was an awesome time. So uh, way to go, guys, on coming out and representing Epic. It was an amazing event. And then we also challenged those guys to jump into a community group and all those guys into community groups. And so uh, the next thing that's going to be coming for all of us is our five-week group experience. And you have a card on your seat. And if you want to grab that card, uh, our five-week experience is to help launch you into a community group for men, women, or couples. And so on February 21st, uh, from 4 o'clock to 5.30 at Palm Coast Community Church, we're going to be having those three environments for men, women, and couples uh, for you to be able to try out uh, community groups, to be able to go through some awesome curriculum, get to know people, and then at the end of the experience, to be able to get into a men's, women's, or couples community group. And so it's going to be an awesome time. There's child care for sixth grade and below if you wouldn't mind, we need you to register. So see me. I'm going to be at the back table next to the tech t booth over there uh, to sign up, or you can sign up online at theepicchurch.com. 
And then uh, one thing that we love to do around here is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you want to partner with us, you can through giving. And so if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at the end of each section or online uh, at theepicchurch.com. Now, uh, before we continue, the final thing I've got is thank you guys so much uh, for filling out those surveys last week as part of our service. It was great. It's going to be helping us with a series that we're going to be doing later on, um, and then also to let us know how we can help as our church continues to grow as well. If you weren't here last week and you didn't fill out a survey, see me at the back table. We've got a quick two-minute survey for you to be able to take that will help us uh, with a message series that we're going to be doing later on this year, and then also as we are growing as a church uh, Uh, to help us get a little bit of information uh, in order to maneuver that. And so that will help us tremendously. Well, before we continue on in the service and before Evan comes out here to start talking a little bit about worship and then guiding us in worship, let's just pray. So Father, uh, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you what you've been doing in our stories. It's amazing. As I walk in and I see those signs that people have done to just reflect upon the decisions that we've been making over the last couple uh, weeks here, it's been amazing to be praying for all of us who've been making some pretty important decisions. And Father, also through this fast, as we're ending that today, God, uh, some people have done an amazing job of focusing on you during these last two weeks and seeking you, God, in the decisions that we've been making. And so, God, just teach us today about worship and how that impacts our story, and then as we worship you. And so we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.